WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light and Decatur in Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The Berrien County Sheriff's Department is asking people to avoid travel if they can. Under Sheriff Chuck Height tells us the department's been busy because of the blizzard. Just a number of crashes uh, along the interstate and secondary roads, so first responders are extremely busy right now. And again, just asking people to stay off the roads unless necessary. Height says even in the cities, the wind and blowing snow make travel difficult. With those winds, you know, causes visibility issues and drifting. So again, until the winds calm down, we're going to continue to experience those conditions. Meanwhile, the Cass County Sheriff's Department has issued a travel advisory that asks everyone to stay off the road through 1 p.m. tomorrow. It says some roads in Cass County have been impassable. The blizzard is expected to taper off tomorrow. National Weather Service meteorologist Patrick Murphy tells us Friday got off to a rough start with multi-car pileups on I-94 due to heavy and blowing snow that at times reduced visibility to zero to a quarter mile. So what does he expect for the rest of the weekend? The uh, lake effect will continue, and it just won't be as intense, but it will add up due to the duration of the snowfall, which will persist even into Sunday morning. Murphy says Saturday will bring some relief. Conditions will improve gradually. We'll probably be more in the uh, around the 10 below for Saturday, still dangerously cold, and the blowing snow will gradually subside through the remainder of the weekend. Murphy advises people it can be dangerous to be outside with the wind chills, taking temperatures down to 20 below zero. In Warsaw, Indiana this morning, they recorded a wind chill temperature of 41 below. Murphy says we should be out of the woods by Monday. He expects temperatures in the 30s by mid-next week. The Berrien County Road Department has been hard at work since 4 a.m. today plowing snow. However, it's still having a hard time keeping up with the blizzard. Department Director Mark Heiliger tells us the crews hit the primary roads first and then they move on to the secondary roads. With the wind conditions, it has made making progress difficult. Once a plow goes through, within 15 to 20 minutes, depending on the location, the wind, it could look like nobody's been through. Heilinger says people need to evaluate whether it's worth taking the risk of driving. There's been a lot more travel on the roads today than we would have expected based on the conditions, and I just want people to weigh the risks before jumping into the car and heading somewhere. Heilegger says if you don't have to travel, you should stay off the roads. The plows will be back out at 4 a.m. tomorrow, and he says the weather will determine how they proceed. Indiana-Michigan Power has its crews ready to restore service to those who lose power in the blizzard. Spokesperson Corey Olenkamp tells us the situation today as of this afternoon, wasn't quite as bad as the company had been expecting. Right now, we're seeing some isolated pockets of outages. Uh, currently, our tracker showing around 600 in Michigan uh, without power. And that's all from one isolated outage in Benton Harbor. Olin Camp said INM prepared for the worst-case scenario, and so far, it hadn't happened yet. However, that doesn't mean the crews are going home. We are still remaining in a formation to respond to any outages, because uh, we are still in the middle of the wind event. Currently, we're still seeing high winds across a lot of the territory. Uh, we're still expecting the possibility for some more lake effect snow and high winds in the Michigan area as well. We're staying prepared. Olin Camp says if you do lose power, you should use the INM app to stay up to date on the latest. If you have a generator, be sure to keep it outside and away from doors and windows. If you see a downed power line, stay away from it. 
There are a couple of new members of the Berrien County Board of Commissioners. At a meeting on Thursday, Commissioner Chokwe Pitchford and Commissioner Alex Ott were sworn in along with the rest of the county board. Berrien County Clerk Sharon Tyler read them the oath. Do you solemnly swear or affirm that you will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state and that you will faithfully discharge the duties of the Office of County Commissioner for your district in and for the state of Michigan and the County of Berrien County according to the best of your ability? I do. Pitchford was elected to represent the 3rd District, which includes parts of Benton Township. Ott was elected to serve the 9th District, which includes New Buffalo, Chickaming Township, and Bridgman. Pitchford replaces James Martin, while Ott replaces Ezra Scott. Tyler thanked Martin and Scott for their service and friendship, while wishing them all the best. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners has funded the county's seven senior centers for another year. At a meeting this week, the board approved a resolution allocating about $371,000 per center for October 1st of 2023 through September 30th of 2024. The funds are generated by the county's senior millage. To receive the funds, the senior centers each have to meet several requirements as laid out in county rules. They include that each center has a board of directors and be incorporated under the Michigan Nonprofit Corporation Act, have bylaws, give the county full access to financial records, and provide the county with an audit each year, among other things. Berrien County's senior centers are located in St. Joseph, Benton Harbor, Buchanan, Berrien Springs, Niles, Coloma, and Harbert. Michigan is losing population, but the losses have slowed from previous years. New census data released this week shows the state lost just under 3,400 residents in the latest population count. It's down to a little more than 10 million people total as of July 1st. Demographer Kurt Metzger says Michigan is still sending more people to other states than it receives from them. Obviously, we're competing with every other state in the union for immigrants. Um, But we've got to figure out some way to keep these numbers of domestic, the domestic loss as low as possible or try to actually turn it around and gain, which is, would be um, historically uh, important for the state. States that grew the fastest were Florida, Idaho, and South Carolina. The data released this week shows Michigan has lost around 40,000 residents since the 2010 census. Michigan was among 18 states to lose residents in the past year. And you may be traveling for the holidays, or your doctor's office is not open this weekend and you get sick, so what do you do? Priority Health Medical Director Dr. Brian Ferdoranco has some advice. With the respiratory illnesses spiking in this area of Michigan as well as across the country, um, we're seeing that it's, the wait times at urgent cares and emergency rooms have been quite long. Virtual care is a really good option for people if they have sort of a minor illness, maybe cough, cold, sinus issues. With shortages of children's pain relief with higher cases of the flu and RSV, he says there's always concern this time of year with the supply of medicines. He says a virtual visit might help you find resources. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. More than 3,300 flights were canceled as of this morning, according to FlightAware and the National Weather Service. It says the deep freeze is going to produce a nearly unprecedented number of winter weather warnings and advisories throughout today and on into tomorrow. ABC's Brian Clark has more. 
More than 60% of the U.S. population is under some kind of winter weather alert or warning. And as President Biden cautioned Thursday, this is different. It's not like a snow day, you know, when you're a kid. This is serious stuff. It's dangerous for vulnerable people like Stephen in Portland, Oregon, heading to a shelter after spending the night on the street. Yeah, I was out in the cold. They're freezing my toes off. Denver experienced its coldest day in more than 30 years Thursday when temperatures dropped to 24 below zero. Brian Clark, ABC News. Winter weather is blanketing the U.S. as a massive storm sent temperatures crashing and created whiteout conditions. More than 200 million people, about 60% of the U.S. population, were under some form of winter weather advisory or warning today. The National Weather Service says it's Warning map, quote, depicts one of the greatest extents of winter weather warnings and advisories ever. More than 4,100 flights within or out of the U.S. were canceled overall. Power outages left more than 1.4 million homes and businesses in the dark. An ice storm hitting Seattle caused major havoc for travelers there from far away as the storm hit the Midwest and East. For a while, all the runways were closed today in Seattle. ABC's Alex Stone says they had a single runway sort of open. After announcing all runways were closed indefinitely because of ice, SeaTac Airport now says it has de-iced one runway and limited operations are being allowed on that one runway. But it's still a mess. One highly limited runway for a major airport is not enough. Alaska Airlines, which has big operations in Seattle, has canceled all flights in Seattle and Portland through midday. Passengers at the airport are being told they might as well go somewhere else if they can because there's no need to be camped out at the airport. The drawn-out saga of Title 42 has been chaotic at the U.S.-Mexico border. In Washington, it hasn't been much better. The Supreme Court is weighing whether to keep in place the emergency powers that have allowed border officials to quickly expel migrants on grounds of preventing the spread of COVID. It follows months of legal battles brought on by Republican-led states that wanted to keep the restrictions in place after the Biden administration ended them in the spring. A bipartisan immigration bill in Congress has been buried just as the lame duck session wrapped up and a Republican House is set to take over. The House Select Committee, tasked with investigating the January 6th riots at the Capitol, this week released its 845-page final report. ABC Deputy Political Director Avery Harper gave us a breakdown. To me, what stood out was the uh, information about uh, the committee calling for Donald Trump to be barred from holding public office, calling for reform of the Electoral Count Act, making sure that it's clear that the vice president's role is a ceremonial one, not one which would authorize him or her to reject slates of electoral votes from each of these states, expansion of how the federal government will allow law enforcement agencies to investigate groups like white nationalist A measure of inflation closely watched by the Federal Reserve slowed last month. Another sign the long surge in consumer prices seems to be easing. The report today from the Commerce Department showed prices rose 5.5 percent in November from a year earlier. That's down from a revised 6.1 percent increase in October. Including food and energy prices, core inflation was up 4.7 percent from the previous year. On a month-to-month basis, prices rose 0.1 percent from October to November after rising 0.4 percent the previous month. Core prices rose 0.2%. Families of American, three American servicemen killed by ISIS are suing a French conglomerate that pleaded guilty this year to supporting the terrorist group. 
ABC's Aaron Katursky has more. When Lafarge paid millions to ISIS so it could keep its cement plant running in Syria, U.S. Attorney Brian Peace described it this way. Lafarge made a deal with the devil. The company pleaded guilty and agreed to pay nearly $800 million. Now, families of three U.S. troops killed in ISIS attacks in Iraq, Syria, and Libya are suing Lafarge, arguing the company's payments provided ISIS the seed capital it needed to transform into a brutal terroristic behemoth that killed their loved ones. The plaintiffs are families of Navy Petty Officers Jason Finan and Scott Cooper and Marine David Berry. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. South Korea's military says North Korea has fired two ballistic missiles toward its eastern waters, its latest weapons demonstration that came days after the U.S. and South Korean warplanes conducted joint drills that North Korea viewed as an invasion rehearsal. South Korea's military said it detected the missile launches from the North's capital region on Friday afternoon. The U.S. flew nuclear-capable bombers and advanced stealth jets over the Korean peninsula for joint training with South Korean warplanes on Tuesday. South Korea's military said the drills were part of a bilateral agreement on boosting a U.S. commitment to defend its Asian ally with all available military capabilities, including nuclear. And Benjamin Netanyahu has formally announced the formation of his new right-wing government and is expected to install it and return to the prime minister's office in Israel next week. ABC's Jordana Miller has more. New details of Benjamin Netanyahu's coalition agreement with far-right leader Bezalel Smotrich sure to unsettle, if not anger, the White House. For the first time, Netanyahu agreeing in writing to advance policies for, quote, applying sovereignty to Judea and Samaria. That's the biblical name for the disputed West Bank. Netanyahu given full control over the issue and otherwise vague wording on the extent and timeline for annexation. The Biden administration opposes any kind of Israeli annexation of contested land that Palestinians also want for their future state. Jordana Miller, ABC News, Jerusalem. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast. 